Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. Well, hello there. Welcome back to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. <laughs> My name is Matt. I haven't eaten now for the past three days. Mm-hmm. And holy shit, am I hungry. <laughs> yeah, you will be. Uh, with me, joining me, uh, who's joined us from the Keto Podcast. <laughs> is, is that me? Is my wife, Courtney. Awesome. The uh, the head keto, keto person. Cool. I take keto over intermittent fasting, so I think you lose there. Okay. Do you like your shit runny or do you like <laughs> your shit chunky? Either way, you're getting shit. Oh, no. Yes. You're actually here on the Weight Loss Podcast, the final episode of season four, colon, two dickheads yelling at each other. Yeah, that's us. And we're going to wrap it up with a Q&A. Mm. This is now becoming a tradition. Yes. We will wrap up each season with a Q&A. From you. That's right. You listening. We've got all the questions that you personally have sent us in front of us here on our computer, and we're going to answer them all. Yes. Very exciting. We think. Hopefully. There's a lot here. <laughs> yes, there depending, is. Depending on how much we go off on tangents, we may not hit them all, but that probably give, will give us an excuse to do in a future episode or a video on the Facebook group. Yep. Let's give it a we'll crack. We'll get to them all regardless. It's somehow we will get to them all. Either way, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Let's just rip in. Mm-hmm. Now, as is customary, Courtney, I will read. You will read. And you will answer. I will try. There is no trying. There is only doing. There is doing or there is not doing. Okay. Yoda got this <laughs> correct. Do or do not, there is no try. Uh, okay. All right. Question comes from Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. What are the best ways to increase your metabolism? And the opposite, what habits slow your metabolism? And how big a difference does metabolism make in terms of weight loss? I think you have touched on some of these factors before, but a comprehensive list slash discussion would be great. Courtney, go. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, Here comes Courtney's answer. Okay. (laughs) There's a couple of questions in there, so I'll tackle just one at – we'll tackle one at a time. Hang on, hang on. Isn't the approach here to try to do it all at once? No. Like you do with your weight loss, like when you fix all your problems at once? So how big of a difference does metabolism make in terms of weight loss? Huge. One might say – the everything. Most. It, it, it's everything. It is the big difference, actually, Sarah. So it's a great question. Actually, the whole thing, a couple of great questions in there. But metabolism is highly underrated. Um, and it isn't spoken about a lot because diets don't factor in metabolism. It suppresses it, actually. So why would they talk about it? Um, I'll tell you what. <laughs> we, we've just started it and already you've earned it. Oh, 100%. Thanks. Now that So... Yeah, it, it is highly underrated and not spoken about enough because I think because of the diet culture, 
Um, it's, it's the diet culture and the people promoting the diet culture actually don't know how this works. Yeah. So the question is, how big a difference does metabolism make? You want the scientific answer? Mm. Fucking huge. <laughs> what you see on the outside and what you feel within yourself are purely reflections of the inside. Mm. Now, can that be improved? Well, it has to be if you want to have a, a permanent change. Mm. And just for the record, by permanent, I don't mean losing five kilos in a 28-day shred. Mm. I mean like years and decades and looking and feeling like a completely new person. Yeah. Now. The best way is, Matt, to increase your metabolism. All right. Number one and number – actually, you know what? I'm not going to say number one and number two. I'm going to say number one A <laughs> and one B because they go hand in hand. Yes. You probably – Know it's coming, don't you? Yes. Okay. Best ways to increase your metabolism. Number one, about between 10 to 15 hours a week of fasted cardio. No, be serious. Come on now. Oh, sorry. Okay. Weight training. We're already going to go off on enough tangents. Let's not stretch this out any Mate, longer. Let's, let's have fun with this. No, no, the answer is number one A is lift weights, bro. Mm. Get under the iron and pump it. Uh, the... Uh, the muscle mass in our body is the biggest determining factor in how good or how fast, whatever term you want to use, our metabolism is. Mm. It's not based around, oh, how many calories did I burn today? None of that bullshit. No. Uh, the stronger you are physically and the more muscle mass you have on your body, the faster your metabolism will be. Yes. Now, that's 1A. 1B on the best ways to increase your metabolism Here's this a little secret they don't fucking tell you in diet school. You've got to eat more often. Mm. Frequency. Now, Courtney just gave it away. I'm not talking about, oh, my God, I've got to eat all this more food. Actually, you kind of need to eat what you eat just more often. Mm. So rather than going, oh, well, this is a mistake a lot of people make. Oh, I've got to, I've got to eat six meals a day. And right now I'm eating one. So tomorrow I'm going to start by going from one to six. No. Maybe take what you're having and divide it up over more frequent but smaller portions. Mm. Those are the two best ways to increase your metabolism. Uh, the other question, what habits slow your metabolism? All right. One A and one B. Okay. One A, not lifting weights mm. and relying purely on cardio. Yes, there are different ways to lose weight. As we say, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Some ways are better than others, straight up. So the best way to slow your metabolism is to not lift weights. Mm. And you know what? You can actually add to that, not really exercise in general. Uh, 1B yeah. is to cut your calories and cut what you eat and reduce, reduce, reduce. That's a classic mistake you see people make. They think, oh, well... I want to lose weight. That means I need to, I need to do more exercise. So I might have to do another three hours of cardio every day this week, and maybe I might, I might not have breakfast. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say that. So I, might, not, I might skip lunch as well. So it's not just necessarily as well doing the wrong sort of exercise for this, but it's also or not exercising at all. But it could also be over exercising and we, under eating. We, yeah, you can say the, the best way I would put it is. In terms of from the exercise standpoint, doing too much of the wrong type yeah. of exercise. Mm -hmm. 
which also goes the other way. So yeah, um, weight training and food meal frequency, frequency in either direction will dictate how good or how bad someone's metabolism is. And um, not really part of the question, but worth just sliding in here. It is a different time frame for each person on how long it takes to speed up. It is different from male to female. Yes. But even within within those categories can be different again. Mm. You know? Uh, so it's not all going to be, oh, well, I'll start doing this, I'll start changing next week. Like, no, you're just putting like little deposits into your bank. you got to stick with it and make it a habit. Mm. Anything you want to add there or are we good to move on? No, nope, I think that nailed it. All right. Sarah, again, I have another question. Cool. How should I spread out weightlifting sessions and cardio sessions over my week? Say I want to jog two to three times per week and lift weights two to three times per week. Which days should I do which to best allow for recovery? Well, first off, good question. And you sort of answered... If it wasn't good, it wouldn't be on the show. You sort of answered your your own question in that, Sarah, in when you're asking which will allow for recovery. So it's obviously something that you're thinking about. So the best way to allow for recovery is not to overload each of your days. So because you want to do two to three cardio sessions and two to three weight training sessions, the best thing that you can do is space it out for recovery. Um, also, when you say, I want to do two to three per week of, of jogging, let's just say, and two to three per week of weight training – just whatever it ends up being, especially for the weight training, the jogging not so much, but for the weight training, you say two to three per week, just pick either two or three and just stick with that. Mm. Don't do like one week two, one week three. It's not going to give you any consistency with your weight training. Um, we did do an episode based around weight training, I think early, uh, a while back, a couple of years ago. We've done like a hundred and... 40 episodes, yeah. one of them was about weight training. Anyway, um, the the biggest problem a lot of people have with weight training is not structured. So it needs to be structured and you need to be recording what you're doing because you're constantly trying to improve what you're doing and you can't improve what you're doing if one week you're doing three days and one week you're doing two days. Mm. So the first piece of advice I would say with weight training, with your weight training, Pick what you're going to do. So you might do two days. You might decide to split it up into an upper body and a lower body day. And that's great for someone who maybe isn't used to weight training either. Um, just to start with the two, split it up. Well, that's what we recommend with our clients. Definitely. And then you insert your cardio around those days. Done it again. Here it comes. Oh, 100%. Because, and I'll add tip number two here, start with inserting your weights days and seeing how they fit mm -hmm. in terms of schedule and recovery. Pro tip, especially when you're new to this or even I would say intermediate, don't do them back to back. No. Here is a rookie mistake that yeah. people make. Oh, I want to do two weight sessions a week. Uh, fuck, it's Friday. I'll do them both on Saturday and Sunday. Don't do that. And I think the mistake on that, Matt, a lot of people make is that, especially when they're doing a two-day split, they think it's fine because I'm not going to overload my muscles because one day I'm working out lower body and one day I'm working out upper body. little thing we call fatigue. Mm. 
especially when you're relatively new to this. Yes. Uh, and also obviously keep in mind that the body does not change during exercise. It changes during not exercise. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> excuse me, in addition to the tip Courtney gave, start with uh, laying out your weight stays and just seeing how they fit and seeing how you recover. Then from there you layer on any little additional extras from there. put in a cardio, put in one, see how you go, put in two. Again, you're not going to get it, and this is the thing that you have to start to realise, you're not going to get it perfect from day one, week one. You have to come up with a routine. I thought that's how this works. And there's nothing wrong with with starting with less and adding more. That's the way you want to do it, and it's the way we would always advise our clients to do it because there's nothing wrong with adding in extra well, if actually, you find that it's fine. That's what you want to do. You know, the term that we use with our clients is establish an effective minimum. Yeah. So you might start week one, you might start with two cardio, two weight training sessions, and instead of two to three jogs, you might do two to three walks on your other days. Mm. Mm. Then week two, if you're feeling like you're, you know, you're feeling good, your body's feeling good, you might still do your two weight training days, um, say on like a Monday and a Thursday or something like that to keep them apart. And then you might add in three walks plus one jog or, or two walks plus one or jog. Or you may even wait a few weeks to assess that and see how you, yeah. how you go. And it just depends on how your history, as Matt said, your history on weight training, oh, how confident yeah. you are, how well your body is recovering. These sort of things, they all come into it. So, um, yeah, I hope that answers that. Does that answer it? Yes. As much as we can without knowing specifics, but yeah. I'm just going to say yes because we're the best. Okay. All right, next question. And this one I think is really up your alley, Courtney. Oh, good. This one comes from Ashley. She asks, Courtney, what are your thoughts on gut healing? Gut healing? Yeah. What is gut heal- healing? Gut healing. Like, is that like a specific thing or just in general? In general. Oh, general. Okay. I've just never heard someone say gut healing. Um, You've had to go through this. Yeah, I've had, I've had problems with my gut for a long time. Let's go. What are your thoughts? And I still have ups and downs with with my gut. I'm going through a particular down phase right at the moment, actually. Um, phase? Phase. So what What are my thoughts on it? My thoughts are... It, it, myth or reality? Fact oh, or fiction? Oh, complete fi- uh, fact. God, I've almost said fiction. Whoa. Um, complete fact. It's definitely reality for a lot of people. So mm. we've spoken about in the past that some people have allergies to certain foods. Other people have intolerances. I have intolerances. There's mm. definitely foods that my, my tummy likes more than other foods. There's definitely, yes. I would say that I ha- have a tendency to uh, inflame quite quickly and easily. Flame on. With, with, with foods. So mm. that goes into my, into my gut. It, it, it does affect me quite badly in terms of bloating, um, in terms of constipation, these sort of things. So Good times. Oh, yeah, you know. Open book here. We'll just talk about we're, this. We're all friends. We're yes. all friends. Um, so, yeah, I've struggled with it for many years. So mm. what do I – what are my thoughts on it? It's definitely a, a massive problem for a lot of people. It's a factor, for it, sure. It's definitely not something that, in my experience, I 
I'm not an expert in gut health by any means, but in my experience, it's not something that I can, I've just been able to fix forever. It's something that I'm constantly working on work, mm. and I've been working on for many years, working out what, what foods I have intolerances to, what foods make my gut and my intestines and, and everything inflamed. What's the best way to work that out? Um, the best way to figure that, those sort of things out is yeah. by what they call an elimination diet. It's about the only time you'll ever hear me cause, use the word diet. Mm. So an elimination diet is not your typical diet where you're staying on it forever or you're, um, or you're doing it to lose weight. You're basically, it's just a way of cutting out certain foods to try to figure out what is making you react. Yep. So I will, at, a few years ago when I did this, I kept a, a food diary and basically the most important thing with an elimination diet to remember is that you only want to cut out one thing at a time. Mm. The problem with cutting out too much is that your body then might start to react well, but you don't know which one it was that was the culprit. It could be several things. It is for me. But, um, yeah, so basically you keep a food diary. You cut out first start with the thing that you feel like it could be. Um, you wait a couple of weeks, you see how what, what the result is. If there's no result, you basically scratch that one off the list next. and then you net go to the next one. Yeah. So that's and, – and I think also remembering supplementation is really important as well. So it's not just the foods that you eat, it's the supplements that you also take. Mm. So for someone like me who is has an intolerance to a lot of um, – Legumes, I don't eat legumes. I don't particularly go for onion, garlic. Um, By the way, how devo is it about garlic? Because you know what that means you can't have? Garlic bread. I think basically if you put it in basic terms, mm. I, uh, I, I feel my body has an intolerance towards wheat, dairy, and probably a lot of fructose intolerance as well. Mm. So... I think with, with me, I had to go through that. But then you also have to look at the supplements that you're you're taking. You have to look at everything, really. I mean, if you're like me and you have intolerance to gluten, you'd be surprised on how many sources have gluten in them. Yeah, you got to pay very close attention to that. A lot of a lot of things that you wouldn't realize. Um, protein powder. So for me, I I have plant protein powder. Yep. Um, I think that. Yeah, there's a lot of things. And then there's a lot of other supplements that you can look into, some natural supplements to help with your gut health. There's some um, prebiotics, uh, Mm. probiotics that can really help get your gut health, Um, some natural um, supplements that can really help get your gut health working. Yeah, our our thoughts are that it, it is a real thing. And if you think you're having issues with it, you should definitely be working with a specialist yeah, I, that area. I went and saw a naturopath uh, a few years ago mm. um, and I still take the things that she taught me at the time on board. And I feel like right now I don't, I'm not under the guidance of a naturopath. I feel like I have a pretty good handle on what my body does and the feeling of it and what supplements work for me and what doesn't. She definitely helped you get away from the confusion you had at the time. Yeah, definitely. And the anxiety that comes from that. I think the main thing that helped me at the time with going to see a naturopath and getting the started on that was just to know that what I was feeling wasn't in my head mm. and I wasn't making it up. <laughs> it's also not just you. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, definitely if you're someone who struggles with, with 
with gut health, I would definitely encourage you to to seek out a specialist in that and then mm. just monitor what, what you're eating. Well done. All right, next question comes from Melanie. We all know smoking is bad in so many ways, but it will be good to see impacts of giving up smoking during a weight loss journey and tips to avoid derailing progress. Brackets. I haven't gone through all the podcasts of the podcasts yet, so apologies if this has been covered. Actually, it has not. No, we've actually never spoken about smoking. I think this is the first time we've ever mm. brought up smoking in the history of the show. So, Melanie, good job out of you. Yeah, thank you. I guess it never crossed our mind to really talk about it because neither Matt or I smoke or have smoked mm. in the past. And I think that we've had pretty limited experience with with our clients being I, smokers. I haven't. I've had plenty. Okay. It's um to be fair, I'll probably cop it on the chin for this one for like we probably should have brought it up before now, but hey, this is what, yeah. this, this is what Q&As are for. We can't think of everything. That's why we have Melanie. Hey. Team effort. Yep. Righto. Now, when it comes to giving up smoking and weight loss, here's the first thing that tends to happen. Your appetite goes up. Smoking is a known appetite suppressant. And I've seen in the past, some people have thought to themselves, oh, well, if I give up, sorry, if I start smoking, I'll eat less and I'll lose weight. Except go back to the earlier question about metabolism, eating less fucks your metabolism. Now, what tends to happen, like I said, when you give up smoking, your appetite goes up. A lot of people shit themselves yeah. at this moment. Because like, oh, I'm always fucking hungry. That's not the problem. The problem is what they do with that appetite. Oh, well, I'll just start eating more junk. No, that's why when people say to you, oh, I gave up smoking and I put on weight. No, you gave up smoking and you ate more shit. Yes. And you put on weight. So the first thing to watch out for is an increase in, increase in appetite. Mm. That's where your well, the rule of proximity comes in. Yeah. If it's nearby, you will eat it. Yes. So what is nearby? Uh, so that's really the biggest thing that can happen. And then after that, you'll have um, increased lung function. Mm. Now that applies to your training. So the, the easiest, lowest hanging fruit when it comes to increased lung function is your cardio sessions will get better. You can push harder. You can last longer. But it's the same thing with weight training sessions as well. Because when you do your weight training sessions and it starts getting pretty hard, I got you, haven't I? You can't see it, but I'm making funny hand signals at Courtney because she took she took the piss out of me before we started recording saying, when you explain things, you do these really funny things with your hands, and now I'm doing it to see if I can make a crack. He does. He does. It's so funny. Anyway, don't get distracted. We're talking about lung function. I'm not distracted. Uh, the same thing applies when you're doing your weight training sessions as well you'll find you have more staying power because you can get more air into your lungs and expel more of the CO2. Mm. This is what we call, all capitals, a good thing. That happened pretty quickly. Depends on the person. Okay. Might depend on like how long they've been smoking for, their age, etc. But you can be guaranteed, like the time the time's gonna be different from person to person. It's an inevitable it improvement. Does happen. You, you will I've seen it. You'll you'll know it. you'll notice it you'll know it. So even the people that have been smoking for a long time will eventually notice a difference. Do you remember when we used to have our gym? Mm. 
I'm talking to Courtney here, so I don't think you remember when we used to have our gym, but Courtney I does. remember. Remember our client Rob? Yes. That came with his wife Margot. Yeah. He just gave it up before he started with us, mm. and he was always making comments to me like, "Oh, you know, I can last longer. I'm recovering faster." And he's in his late. He was in his late forties, and he was smoking for a long time. Chain smoker. Life. Chain smoker. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and started noticing it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say relatively quickly, but because he was training so consistently, it's like, oh, I'm getting better at this. Mm. You know, so we're not going to put like a, a time frame on this, but there are perks. Yep. Performance athletic based perks to that. And like I said, when it comes to appetite, you've got to be mindful that the, the appetite increase is normal. It's just what you do with it from there. Yeah. That will dictate, you know, weight gain or actual improvements in, in you know, body shape. Body fat, etc. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Next one. Next one. Mick. Mm. G'day, Mick. What about when we hit that psychological barrier where we are months into our journey and think we're going backwards while physically going forwards? And what are ways to combat this? How do you combat those mind games? How can we double down the efforts without hurting what we've achieved so far? Hope I've explained this well enough. What do you think? Um, I think you got something in your eye. Yeah, I do. So I'm a little bit distracted. You go first. Right. Here's the thing, Mick. Where we are months into our journey and we think we're going backwards while physically going forwards. Here's the first question I've got. What makes you think you're going backwards? Mm. How are you assessing that? And what are you measuring that against? Good question. So we've actually asked you the question here, Mick. So when you do your Q&A, mm. let us know. and We'd like to hear the answer to that. No, that. That's actually a really good point. Well, the thing is... So a lot of people can, can feel like getting frustrated um, and that they are going backwards, but they may not be. Well, here's the thing. I think... This question needs one more extra layer of context because to me, you say, well, physically going forward, but you think you're going backwards. What is it that makes you think you're going backwards? Uh, could it be that what you're doing is starting to feel so normal that you have to think less about it? Mm. And that might be new to someone. Mm. Like, oh, I don't need to think about cooking my food every few days. I don't need to think anymore about doing my training sessions. I just go and do it. Mm. Could it be that? Yeah. Question of how, how can we double down the efforts without hurting what we've achieved so far? Well, doubling down the efforts is never a bad idea. And for most people, it's recommended. In terms of without hurting what we've achieved so far, the only way you can sort of hurt what you've achieved so far is if you try and go too far ahead from where you're at rather than taking it one step at a time. Yeah, and I think that that's where it comes down to as well where he said, yeah, how do I combat, how to combat these mind games? Well, the mind games, they're always going to be there through this. I'll tell you what, here's another answer to that question. How do I combat the mind games? Who's in your support network that's objective? Yeah. That doesn't look at this with the emotion that you do? And can look at what you're doing and give you an honest, objective assessment to say, nah, champ, you're on track. Or, nah, champ, you can improve at you know, areas 
A, B, and C. Yeah, and that that's what I was going to say. I think that spot on. I think there needs to be a support network there. Do you mean spot on, or do you mean one hundred percent? Um, there needs to be a support network there. There needs to be some accountability there. Mm. So if you are actually starting to go backwards, you need to have someone that you trust to hold you accountable to that and be able to talk through areas of improvement. But I think also it comes down to when it combating the mind games, because again, they're always going to be there. Mm. So I think it, it becomes a matter of how best to deal with them when they pop up rather than elimination, because mm. it's not going to happen. I think that, um, that one of the best things for that also is making sure that you've got really strong goals, not only an end goal, but also progress goals. And you've got them written out and easy to access. And I think the also the other thing is, is to make sure that you're celebrating those wins along the way. Yep, agree, agree, agree. And honestly, as we've said, the easiest way for this is like who who's helping you with this? Yeah. That can look at this from a, a higher level viewpoint. Because yeah. whenever we look at our own progress and what we're doing, no matter how far along we go, and this includes us as well, there's always going to be just enough emotion to add bias to what you're thinking or what you think's happening. Yep. I mean, how often have you heard, like for you and I, Courtney, like you, you know, someone might have said to you, well, we, think, we think they're doing well. Mm. And they'll say, oh, no, I'm failing because I'm not changing yet and it's not happening fast enough. Oh, I'm fucking it up. Like, mate, you're improving. Can't be farmed. Mm. It's all good. Yeah? Yep. Anything else to add there? I don't think so. Cool. Hope that helped. If not, well. Blame that. <laughs> he answered it. Straight to it. Next question comes from Nikki. How do you stop stopping? How do you stop the stop start habit going great for a few weeks, then stopping for a week or three and starting again? which is another way of saying, Courtney, how do you stop being inconsistent? I think that there's there's a difference here as well with that because inconsistency can have different looks to it. Um, Whoa. Elaborate. So basically this particular case, yes, is still inconsistency, mm. but it's particularly saying that that this has been described, Nick is describing this as a stop start, right? How do I go well for a few weeks and then I stop and then I start again, Mm. right? So this comes down to why are you looking at it as a start and a finish? This would be the biggest thing, and I've seen this before, where people will look at this as a start and a finish and then I can just restart. The problem with this perception is that you're still living your life. (laughs) Your life doesn't stop and start. It's continuous. So you have to look at this as continuous. There's no stop. There's no start. There's mistakes, but there's no stop and start. So you need to look at this from a, I made a mistake, so I'm going to restart. Well, the thing is, though, as well, I think the context of this question is about repeating that mistake. Well, I think that once you get in the habit of feeling like you can constantly restart, it's really easy to stop when things get tough. You have, to, you have to start telling yourself that you're not restarting. There's no restart here. 
It makes ourselves feel better to say, I'll just restart when we've made a mistake or when we've gone off the rails because it feels like we can eliminate what happened and start fresh. And it doesn't work like that because what happened happened and you're going to have to still deal with it. So rather than I think you get into this habit, you're getting into a stop-start habit, you say. So yes, we know all of the other things that we can do to help with this. So you've got, we can look at why exactly you're stopping, what it is that is exactly happening each time. There's some sort of pattern there that you can be looking into for sure. But without knowing what that is, right now just saying, how do I stop the stop-start habit? Don't tell yourself you can restart because you can't. The person you are today is still the person you were three weeks ago when you decided to stop. You're not going to restart your life. It's just the start of a new week. So you have to come to terms with the mistakes you've made and you have to learn from them and then you have to move forward. May I? Mm. First thing I'd look at is what's causing you to stop? So is it uh, complacency? Mm. Is it where you think, oh, well, I'm starting to make some progress here and all of a sudden your foot comes off the pedal? Yes, celebration. That was always my main complacency type Yep. where I start to see some success and I get excited. Yeah, and that there is an interesting one, which you see a lot, mm. where someone starts to change and all of a sudden their, their, their psychology around this changes with it. So, oh, I've dropped a dress size and all of a sudden the foot comes off the pedal. And the first, before, sorry, before you, you go, Courtney, the first thing I ask is, was that your goal mm. to lose a dress size? Was it your goal to lose a little bit of weight or to change a small amount? And it's not. But I think what happens is because this is what happens with me is that you get so excited to have some sort of success because you've been unhappy for so long. Mm. That as soon as you get some sort of success, even though deep down you know it's not your goal, you know you've got longer to go, but you're just so excited to have some sort of success. You're so excited to have some sort of recognition for the hard work that you've done that then the the mental game starts to come into play where you'll say, I deserve that. I deserve to have that food. One bite won't hurt. I deserve it though. Mm. I've worked so hard. People have noticed changes, so this 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 won't touch the sides. So yes. that can be a really dangerous state to get into when it's talking about that sort of complacency in terms of you start to get results and it can go from there. But you're right. You have to really look at why you're stopping in the first place. But stop is a really strange phrase to me as well. I, I would never in my past of inconsistency ever said I stopped. I would say I've made plenty of mistakes. Well, the in this in this instance, the stopping would mean like you know, I'm not hitting my training sessions. I've stopped doing my food prep. Like all the all the fundamentals that we know work, I've stopped doing them. Yeah, th- that that is a wider question on why you feel like you can stop. Well, you, it's also because a- you haven't you haven't then come to the realization that this is your life, that this is part of your life. It's real- like when when clients used to say to me, oh but I'm going on holiday, so I'm not going to do anything. Well, that's fine. Mm. But if, if that's the way that you want to be, but 
I'm going to work out on holidays. I've had people say to me in the past, why would you work out on holidays? Because that's just the way that it, this is just what I do. What's your routine? It's normal. But I think that that's where you start to get into the the muddy ground where you say that you're going to stop. Stop what? If you're If you're actively trying to make this a lifestyle change, then... It should never. It should never come into your, to your, not to your thinking, but it should never come to the point where you're going to stop everything. Well, haven't you just hit on it right there? You, if you continually are stop starting, how exactly are you viewing this? Yes. Are you turning this into a diet? It hasn't. It hasn't come it, to the point yet where you've you've truly believed accepted accepted that this is the way that you're going to live your life now that there is the perfect way to put it because that's actually how this works where it you know it can be so easy to think oh well i'm gonna i'm gonna really be good for 12 weeks or six months or 12 months i'm gonna hit my goal and then what the fuck happens after that what actually should happen is you know what i'm looking to build Habits and routines that will serve me for decades. I need, this is the thing. To have real success with this, you have to live it. And Yeah? Yeah. And be prepared that that is still going to come with mistakes and you have to accept it. Of them. course it does. But the thing is as well, I also would bring up, like I said at the start, what, co- what happens, what goes through your head to make you stop? Because to me, stopping is different to mistake. Absolutely. A mistake could be, oh, fuck, I put too much fucking chilli mm-hmm. powder in a chilli con carne, I guess burnt my roof of my mouth. No, the, the where I see it, though, is I've made mistakes in the past. That yeah. Mistakes, a lot of mistakes. Like I've made every mistake underneath the sun. Oh. But I've made mistakes that have lasted 12 months. Mm-hmm. I could look back on my fitness life and say I wasted that whole year of doing nothing to help myself. I now, would say you're wrong. I wouldn't say I stopped. So you can have mistakes that aren't just, uh, you know, I burnt, I, I burnt the pumpkin. Like <laughs> you can have ge- like mistakes that genuinely you feel like you've plateaued for an entire year, mm. which is what I've done in the past. Yep. You can have all of that and – you can get your, pick yourself up, dust yourself off at some point when you're ready to and, and keep moving forward. But I think the mistake comes in to, to be in the habit of feeling like it's okay to choose this lifestyle but to stop and start. If you feel that that is okay, then I don't think this, this particular fitness lifestyle is for you right now. Yes, you will not hit full-time goals with a part-time approach. Unfortunately, no. The the term lifestyle is kind of overused and kind of a cliche when it comes to this, but you know what? It is... Oh, 100%. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Next question. Next question. This comes from... I hope that helps, Nikki. I hope it wasn't too brutal. We are here because we spit the truth. Yes, yes. you know what? Sometimes the truth is not comfortable. Yes. Samantha. Hey, love. Hello. I'm not talking to you. Oh, well. But yeah, how you doing? <laughs> All right. Samantha asks a couple of questions here. I'll go one at a time, Courtney. Okay. 
Why is it easier to make exercise a non-negotiable but hard to make food a non-negotiable? I have the answer in my head just reading this out. But Courtney, if you'd like to go, please, by all means. This is a two-person podcast. Well, I, I, why is it easier to – it's always easy to incorporate exercise, even for someone who hates exercise, because it feels – why? Because it feels like you're giving up less. So you're not actually giving something up by starting to exercise if you haven't exercised before. You're adding something in that, yeah, you may still not like to do, but you're still adding it into your lifestyle. But changing your food habits, you're giving up comfort food that you have, that has sustained you for probably years, sometimes decades. Often decades. So, so yeah, that, that's, that's why it is easy to add in exercise and it's hard to change your food habits because you're asking somebody to change comfort food habits that have been in their life for years and you don't want to give those up a because you like the taste of them hence why they've been in your life for so long and b it's part of your comfort you know most people that are overweight are overeaters because of comfort in some way they get comfort from food they like particular food that are unhealthy and when you're asking somebody to give that up is really challenging and it bring then he's going to bring up a lot of emotions which we don't want to deal with because that's why we eat the food so it's it's just a circle that goes on so in in a nutshell that's why to me that's why it's like that well i'll give you my answer now and it's the same as yours just with different words here is why food is hard to make a non-negotiable because there is emotion around it and there is no emotion around exercise because it is commonly accepted that, well, if I want to change my body, I need to exercise. No sane human being worth listening to will argue that. There's no emotion there for anyone. I need to do this. Okay, cool. I'm going to go do this. That's why that's easy. The reason why food is hard and nutrition is hard and nutritional habits are hard is because you have to unpeel or peel away many, many layers of emotion in terms of emotional attachment to certain foods that give certain comfort based on certain situations and emotional attachment to certain beliefs that you've been building for years or decades or whatever. Courtney's nodding because she knows I am fucking nailing it. Nailed it. Oh, 100%. Nailed it. It's purely because of emotion. Now, I will say, over time, you do get better at that. Oh, yeah. Because one of the key things with this, I'm going to start moving my hands around, Courtney. Get ready. (laughs) Here we go. Walk like an Egyptian. One of the key things that changes over time, one of the rewards for consistency with this and sticking with it, is you become less ruled by your emotions and you're able to think more objectively and more logically. Can you fully get rid of your emotion? No, of course you can't. That's why we have people that help us. We're not Vulcans. Yes, I dropped a Star Trek reference. I regret nothing. Over time, though, your emotion and being ruled by your emotions goes away and you start to look at things differently. And this is a comment feedback 
that we've gotten from clients in the past is I, I'm starting to look at food as fuel, not as comfort. And I think that's also the big reason why we feel so passionately that diets don't work because it takes that choice away from you. Because I think once you get to know your body, you get to know your new, like this lifestyle Mm. of balance, you can still eat food that gives you comfort, food that you've always loved, but then you learn how to fit that into your lifestyle. So it's not completely taking it away. And that's why, for a lot of us, diets have crashed and burned over the years because it takes it all the way, never to return again, and we just can't deal with that. You just can't can't live like that. Mm. So that's another reason why we're so passionate about a balanced lifestyle because we feel passionately that you still need to be able to have that sort of comfort from those foods in your life, but we just need to learn how to balance them. Also... We need to be able to get comfort from other foods as well. You've got to find a, every type of food. Well, no, actually, not every, because some of some is just poison. Most types of most food. types of foods have a place. We just need to find a home for them. Yeah. And I think what you were just saying there before, Courtney, before we move on to the next question, is that this needs to be holistic. Yeah. It's basically resetting our emotional attachment to food. But also giving, there needs to be time that elapses that comes with consistency for it to take its course naturally. Yes. You can't force it. The more you force it, the more you tend to go the other way and go against it and push back. Yep. Cool. Next question from uh, Samantha. This will be an easy one. Uh, Just wondering if there are signs that your metabolism is changing. I have recently started eating breakfast and healthier meals and noticed that I'm actually hungry in the morning and that I'm getting hungrier more frequently throughout the day. I've also started working out and being more active each day. Does this mean that my metabolism is improving? Easy answer, fuck yes. 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 Now, the, the second part of the answer to this question, Samantha, is go through the archives of the podcast over at... Theweightlosspodcast.com. That's why you're here. And look up the podcast we did called The 10 Signs You're About to Lose Weight. Yes. Those episodes are for you right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, the short answer is yes. These are all good, good, good signs. Excellent. Keep it up. All right. Next question comes from Dalian. Ready to go? Ready. One thing I would ask, when talking about baby steps and making small, sustainable changes... How much time are you giving yourself before making more adjustments? Great Very, question. Hey, mate, that's why, they, that's, that's why they're here. Great question indeed. I think I have a great answer. When they feel normal. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I was, I was going to say something similar. I was going to say when you feel like that change is sustainable. So it's in – you make small sustainable changes. When you feel like that change is sustainable – then I would add another one. When it feels normal? Yeah. Move yeah on to the better next way thing. of saying it. When it feels normal. Would you say? Nailed it. I'm going to grab that out <laughs> and use that as one of my buttons from here on out. 47 minutes and 10. Gotcha. Okay. Next question comes from Caitlin. Mm. I have protein shakes. Sorry. Let me try that again. 
I have protein bars and shakes that are healthy, good snacks on the go. However, I do not have a good exercise regimen. Should I stop consuming these high-protein bars and shakes until I am working out? Can I please answer this? Yes, you can. What in the fuck makes you think those protein bars and shakes are healthy? Because the fuck in front of the packet says it is? Please do not assume that to begin with. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Is having protein bars and protein shakes better than having, say, a bucket of KFC or a family-sized pizza from Pizza Hut? Yes. Can we make better choices that offer more nutritional variety, more vitamins, minerals and nutrients that will have a greater effect on improving one's metabolism? Also, yes. Yes. I think also in within the question, there's a bigger question here, Caitlin, which is, however, I do not have a good exercise regime. So as we answered one of the earlier questions, Exercise is far easier to change than nutrition. So to start off with, I probably wouldn't worry as much about whether I'm having a protein shake as a snack as much as why don't I have a consistent exercise routine? I, th- I think you can – I actually think – I'll slightly disagree with this. I think you can ask two questions and that's one of them. The so second not question – disagreeing, is it? So you're not disagreeing, you're adding. How about shut your face? <laughs> Anyway, go on disagreeing with me. Would you like a cup of fuck you? <laughs> the, the second question to ask would be, can I make better choices with what I'm doing? Yes. Also, yes. And I think as well, like, should I stop consuming these high-protein bars? By to the be way, honest that, with you, that, that question kind of implies there's an issue with a high-protein intake. There's no issue with a high protein intake. If you're not exercising, there's there's still you'd have to be consuming like a lot of protein. Actually, still. okay, fake news. Fake news. If you have a pre-existing condition, oh yes, that's right. You run into a problem. Other than that, most people don't get enough. No, no, most people don't get enough actually. So yes. But also there's the assumption that those protein bars have high protein in them, which is also usually incorrect. Well, and yeah. fake news. Well, also with um, just a little, little aside, with protein bars, they actually don't have protein because when they create them and they, and they, and they cook them, it kills the protein. Yeah. Uh, so first thing I would just suggest is before we move on here, Courtney, um, you say that a healthy, good snacks on the go, I would respectfully disagree. Yes. All right, next one uh, from Donna. Hello, Donna. Hi, Donna. I have a question for you both. That means you and me. Good. I've started CrossFit, which is three times a week. And because I pay for this up front, I always attend. That right there, secret psychological ploy. It and is. It works. Yes, it does. I was part of a commercial gym before and never went after the first month. Will I still get results from this? I am hoping to also do one personal training session a week. I am around a size 14 to 16 and my target is to get to a size 10. Also, I'm a sucker for chocolate. I hear that. Mm -hmm. 
and snacking. So I've put a stop to that and replaced it with a protein bar or a protein shake, but got told this will make me fat. (laughs) All right, Courtney, three CrossFit sessions a week. What do you reckon? Will I still get results from this? Depends what results you want. She wants to go from a size 14 to 16 to a size 10. Well, I mean. Can I? May I? Yeah. Nutrition dictates all results from. Nutrition dictates all results from exercise. I was literally just about to say, I I would have thought it's probably going to come down to more what you're putting in your mouth than whether you're doing CrossFit or, or going to the regular gym. Now, can CrossFit be an effective form of training? Fuck yes. There's nothing wrong with CrossFit training. Not at all. If if it's employed in the right way. Yeah. Is it is it structured strength training? Fuck no. No. Is it an effective aerobics and full body training style? Fuck yes. But like I said, nutrition dictates all results from exercise. So will I still get results? Well, that depends on what you're doing when you're not doing your training. Will Protein bars and protein shakes make you fat. If that's all you're having every single day, probably it will because it won't be enough. Also, um, you look at them slightly differently. Good quality protein powder, like good quality protein powder will not make you fat on its own. But you do have to be careful, again, with the protein bars. What they will say on the label is it has X amount of protein, you know, in it. The thing with protein, as we've said in the past, as soon as protein powder gets wet or Cooked. heats up, mm. it starts to it starts to break down. The protein in it will start to break down. So basically then in the end what you have is you have a protein... A, a delicious a, a, chocolate bar. You basically have a bar that's flavoured with the protein powder, whatever flavouring was in it. Mm. The actual protein isn't in it by that stage, but they can put it on the packaging because when they made it, it went in there. Can I um, just bring up the last two questions uh, are very useful to come back to back because they do highlight some key beginner mistakes a lot of people make. Now, I fully can get behind the logic of, well, hey, I'm not having as much takeaway shit and I'm replacing it with protein bars and protein shakes. Better choices? Yeah. Yes. Are the protein bars and protein shakes going to do the job for us that real, wholesome, nutritious, colourful, varied food will? No. No. So in terms of your goal, Donna, you're going to try to lose two to three dress sizes. So yes, as Matt said, snacking on a massive amount of chocolate Going to protein bars and shakes, that is a good step in the right direction. It is. Now take the next one. But it is not going to lose you two to three dress no, sizes. You've you, you got to chew and you got to chew through real food. More often than not, it does not come out of packets. And, yeah, oh, so, yeah. And as Matt said, CrossFit training is good quality training, but, again, it is very high aerobic training. Mm. So the only thing you just be mindful of and monitor is your recovery. And if you're not eating the most nutritious foods you can, that will impact your recovery. You fall on a heap. Um, Could I make a a recommendation for Donna? Mm. Uh, If she's not already, come and join the Weight Loss Podcast Facebook group. 
which you will find a link for in your podcast app that you're listening to right now, or search for The Weight Loss Podcast on Facebook and join the group because at the end of every, at the end of every week, we post a collage of a whole assortment of meals that our clients have made up through the week. Go and have a look what they're eating mm. in terms of the color, the variety, and what it actually is. Here's what you won't see in there. That. Yeah. So it's great, Donna, that you found something that you can consistently stick to in terms of an exercise routine, mm. but now you've just got to focus on that nutrition side. Yeah. Yep. All right. Next one. This one comes from Brooke. Ready to go? Ready. At 21 years old, I've gone from 96 kilos to 61 kilos in eight months. Whoa. Not bad. Wow. However, I am having trouble now. I was hoping you could talk more in depth about weight loss slash gain plateaus. I would love to. In the last month and a half... I've stopped losing kilos and centimetres, but I've been continuing to remain consistent with eating well and exercising daily. Is there a reason why this could happen? Yes. You're in luck. Do. There's an answer. Do we know the reason why this could happen? Yes. Courtney, would you like me to give the specific answer for this. You're very excited, so yes, I would like you to give Because the I see plateaus all the fucking time mm-hmm. and it shits me to tears. Here's the deal. What you do to lose, say, the first 80% will not get you the remaining 20%. It just doesn't work that way. As your metabolism changes, what you do needs to change and you actually have to work harder for a smaller return. Now, the first thing here that I need to ask is, okay, yeah, going from 96 kilos to 61 kilos in eight months is a pretty good effort. What did you do to do that? Because whatever it is, probably needs to be evolved. Mm. So now I'm completely spitballing here. Let me give a real loose example. If someone spent eight months and lost a, a, a pretty good chunk of weight doing lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of cardio and cutting back on their food, making healthy choices, but probably to be fair, under eating, that's guaranteed to hit a plateau because your metabolism will need more. Mm. And here's the thing that these fucking dickheads that are out there won't tell you about this. As you evolve and as your metabolism improves with this, what you do needs to evolve with you. It needs to be more about structured weight training. And here's the real key secret that no one wants to tell you. You've actually got to usually increase your food intake. Now, I'm not talking about, oh, I've got to go and just smash all these supplements and put more stuff into my body. No, for most people, it's like, let's increase your plant intake. Vegetables, fruits, salads. For some people, it could actually be an increase in protein as well. Without those uh, evolutions in your routine, plateaus, guaranteed. I've seen it a trillion gazillion times. So if you'd like, Brooke, feel free to reach out again and let us know what you're actually doing or what you did to have that success that you've had in eight months. 
because then we can pinpoint, well, if you evolve this, 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 and this, you'll keep moving forward. Anything there, Courtney? Nailed it. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on. Last one. Mm-hmm. Oh, get ready. Get ready. Oh, boy. Buckle up, kids. Oh, boy. Rob my hands for this one. This comes from Cody. Hi, Cody. G'day, Cody. What are your thoughts on intermittent fasting? It seems like I see and hear about it all the time. Just wondering what your thoughts are. Would you like to go first or shall I? I think you're busting to go I, with this. I, I'm, actually, so, I'm actually very patient. Would you? I, I'll, I'll just quickly add to start this conversation is that, yes, people do talk about intermittent fasting a lot. And I think that, that it's been around for really popular now for the last, what, five, six years? Too long. Really, really popular. Um, intermittent fasting has been around for a long time. Intermittent fasting has its definite supporters. The thing that I would say personally about intermittent fasting, Matt, we've had this conversation before. Mm. Intermittent fasting, people will say to me, oh, but you'll lose weight on intermittent fasting. To me, that's not a debate. I know that. You will. Most people will. If you stop eating, you will lose weight. It's not like I'm not here to debate that. Mm. Like if you stop eating, mm. you jump on the scales, you will lose weight. Well, you, you'll weigh less. You'll weigh less. The scales will say that you weigh less. Because your stomach is empty and your muscles have been emptied. Correct. Of course you'll weigh less. So that is not up for debate. Um, the thing that that gets me is is – most of the time is that where people will come at me trying to debate me that that I think that you're not going to lose weight on intermittent fasting. It's just stupid. Of course, if you're going by the scales, you're going to lose weight if you go 12 hours, 24 hours without eating. It's not rocket science. However, mm. there's a couple of things to that. Mm. One uh, first up would be do you plan on continuing not to eat Forever, because I don't know then what your plan is. And most people that I've spoken to with intermittent fasting, they don't seem to have a plan. They just like to do it for a couple of days and then they'll go back to eating and then they'll do it for a couple of days and then they go back to eating. Um, How sustainable is that for the rest of your life? Mm. Do you wish to do this for the rest of your life? If their answer is yes, go for your life. Mm. You do you, bro. If you want to do this for the rest of your life, you do you. Don't come at me. Don't debate me. Don't worry about it. Live your best life. I'm just turning off my microphone. My work here is done. Live your best life. But if you think that you can't do that for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, Mm. why are you doing it now? Why do it now? Why even try to do it now? What a waste of time. You know, you know the best part about this is I went into this question thinking I was going to blow my stack. You blew yours first. The one thing I will say that gets me, Matt, with this debate, which I've heard several times, people will say to me. It's not a debate. Yeah, it's not a debate. It's people who don't know what they're talking about, talking Pe- about shit. People will say to me, and you, you, I'll let you go after this and you can 
discuss. Hey, you are on a roll. Go for your life. The thing that gets me is when people say to me, but if you don't eat, because I ask people Mm. genuinely, because I generally am interested when people bring this up to me, because I don't care. I've said that before. You can try any diet you want in the world. I don't care. You can eat avocados for the rest of your life. I don't care. I'm not going to do that. I was about to ask you to do that because you love avocado. No, no freaking way. But if that is that if that's how you want to live, I don't care. But when people come at me and they want to know why you know why are you doing it, and I'll I'll, I'll ask them a question because then I'm curious. So what what is it that makes you think that this is going to be the answer? Because Google told me. The, the funniest response I've ever got mm. is that, right? So the, the theory was when you're intermittent fasting, the toxins, it it, it cle- cleanses the toxins out of your body, which is the one thing I've been told. The other thing I've been told is that it, once your body thinks that it's starving, it is going to use the fat you have oh as energy. God. Fuck this. Uh, uh, Fuck honest this. to God, I've been told those two things. Can I make a startling admission? Yeah. Get ready, Cody. Courtney and I actually intermittently fast ourselves. We do actually, we, yes. We don't eat when we sleep. We're sleeping. <laughs> Oh, my God. What a concept. Don't eat when you fucking sleep. My thoughts on intermittent fasting is that it is a load of junk pushed by people that don't know what the fuck they're doing. Very, very simple. Can you lose weight intermittent fasting? Yes. Yes. Can you lose weight not intermittent fasting? Yes. Yes. Also, yes. Courtney hit the nail on the head. I don't need to rant too much at all. If you can do it and you can sustain it, then more power to you. Would I do it? Not in a fucking million years. We ask any of our clients to do it. Not in 10 million fucking years. Why? Because you don't need to. Especially if the interest is in improved physical performance. Can you imagine, Courtney, if we had a fasting day on leg day in the gym? Rest in peace, Matt and Courtney, who died trying to squat. Wow, we've just got through talking about how how to boost your metabolism and it came from eating frequency and lifting weights. Yeah, so the, the easy answer there, Cody, is our thoughts are it's great because we don't eat when we're asleep. You're going to fast anyway. Hope and, that and there's never been a consensus of, oh, you need to fast Can I, for this long. I'm surprised I didn't have a meltdown about what you said earlier. Um who the fuck told you that bullshit about toxins and 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 did, did you say detox? It detoxifies your body. Okay. You know what detoxifies your body? Vegetables. Green vegetables in particular are yes. great for detoxifying your body. Yeah, you know all green vegetables do. They help boost your metabolism mm. and they provide your body with natural vitamins, minerals, and nutrients. Now, okay. now. Last I checked, not eating doesn't do that. No. That's why those greens powders are all so popular because greens are actually proven to be a detoxifier for your body. Now, I'll tell you what, separate discussion, there is merit in those green powders. Yeah. For sure. Do they taste like hot ass? Yes. They flavour them now. I'll tell you what, 
there's research behind them. There's merit in them. Yeah, they're not in lieu of eating green vegetables. Have them with But them. they're a fantastic top-up. If you can't get yeah. enough into your diet, they're a fantastic top-up. And that's why yeah. they're so popular because it's proven that green vegetables actually naturally detoxifies your organs and your body. Yeah, so uh, fuck, we are so good at tangents. Um, <laughs> but yeah, finalising the answer here, Cody, we don't do it apart from when we sleep. And that whole theory on, sorry, the, the fat burning thing, actually if your body goes into starvation mode, it's going to destroy your muscle. But anyway. I think I know who told you that. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, you're a flog. <laughs> Fuck you for spreading this bullshit. Anyway. Uh, anyway, Cody, hope this helped. No, we, we wouldn't do it because we fast when we sleep and we don't and wouldn't ask our clients to do it just because, you know what, it's not required. And for, for most people, having success with this is hard enough without adding unnecessarily complex requests to that. Like, hey, new client who's working with Matt and Courtney, we want you to start to work on this training routine. But hey, look, on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Sundays, you need to stay at home because we want you to not eat those days. Look, in all honesty, we joke about it, but it just goes against every principle that we have. Our thoughts on it are we're big, we're, we're big on building your metabolism mm. and making a fantastic metabolism that's going to help you because a fantastically working metabolism not only helps the way that you look, but it helps the way that you function and the way that you feel. Mm. And that is mm. all that we're about in, in – in all seriousness, these are the three things that we strive for in, in ourselves and all of our clients. And you need to have a great functioning metabolism to be able to s- succeed on all three of those fronts. Yeah. And if you are intermittent fasting, then your metabolism isn't working up to its full potential. So to us, then your body isn't working up to its full potential. Yeah. And you know, with with this in a, from a long-term standpoint, like we, we want to encourage people to – sort of rekindle a love yeah. for good food mm. and you know introduce introduce new colors, new flavors, new textures into their body. And as Courtney said before, you know, if we want to sort of cleanse our body, the best way to do that is to do this thing we call eating less shit and to replace it with better choices. And as you said, Matt, we do fast because most people tend not to eat until after from dinner time to breakfast yeah that's a wrap we're done we actually got through all the questions yay that's a wrap for this episode and Courtney this brings season four to an end this is the last ever episode of the podcast (laughs) you'll never hear from us again no you wish we're back (laughs) until season five (laughs) we're back yes so we uh very much appreciative of you joining us for this season and the show in general. Hope you've got something out of season four. Mm. If you haven't, well, we're sorry. We're we'll sorry. Try we'll, next time. Yeah, we'll we'll do better again. I'm sure. Yes. Uh, so come out uh, as Matt mentioned earlier. If make sure that you are part of our Facebook group if you are not already. Yeah. So where do you, you find that? Find us through the links will be in our. In the podcast app. In the app you're using right now. But it is just go to Facebook and search the Weight Loss Podcast. And you'll find us. You can find more information about the podcast 
um, and listen to previous episodes while you wait for season five. And you can go to theweightlosspodcast.com and we have also have a shop. You're getting better at plugs. Yes. Go buy yourself a 100% beanie. Theweightlosspodcast.com forward slash shop. It is as simple as that. You'll find a link for that in your app as well. Support the show and keep us ad-free. Yes. Make sure if you've checked out the shop in the past, check it out again because we're going to consistently try to add some new stuff there. We're always looking to improve. Mm -hmm. Season four has come to an end. We love you. Thank you for joining us. See you you soon. Bye. Are you ready to share your success? Head over to our website for full access to our show notes, resources based on today's topic, and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals. You can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com.